Hey, Nathan here. Reminding you, the Renovari Book Club is one concrete way to be intentional about your reading for spiritual growth. We'll be digging into the first book titled How to Pray by Pete Gregg on September 28th. You can learn more at renovare.org slash book club. Don't let your fear of making a mistake or incurring some type of internal guilt because your motives are slightly off. Don't let that stop you from doing the thing that I'm calling you to do. Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and today we have a very special guest. The producer and editor of the podcast, Renovare's Director of Communication, Brian Morricon. Nearly 10 years ago, a friend of mine sheepishly let me know her friend, a musician, had written a song that was in part inspired by a book I had written. She didn't send me the song. She only asked if I wanted to hear it and made reference that there wasn't a guarantee the musician would be willing to share it. I found this very odd, but intriguing. The musician, Brian Morricon, and his song, What Can I Do?, absolutely floored me. Brian was able to capture the emotive essence of what I tried so hard to communicate in the writing. I felt heard in such a way it brought me to tears. There's a genuineness that pervades all his work, an honesty, a soulful ache and guttural intimacy. And this was the beginning of a deep friendship and my introduction to who would soon become one of my favorite musicians. So you'll understand when I heard Brian was working on a new album and offering folks the opportunity to join him in the process with a Kickstarter campaign, I insisted he let me interview him. And what follows is a wonderful conversation we had about creativity and stepping out to respond to God's leading. I even talked him in to sharing a couple of the pre-production recordings from his new album. I spoke with Brian over video call from his home in Tampa, Florida. Folks will know you. As director of communication for Navarre, they'll know the Weekly Digest, and they'll know that you, uh, the mastermind behind the podcast, right? <laughs> Mastermind's a strong word, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I what, help. At one point you said that you, you've probably heard me speak more than anyone besides Christy. Oh, I'm confident of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think we've got, we're going on 200 episodes now. And if I spend two or three hours editing, you know, what is that? So I've, I've logged five, 600 hours of listening yeah. to your voice and other people too, but sure. a yeah. lot of Nathan Foster. <laughs> I just want to apologize. <laughs> say that. Oh, goodness. No. Help people know, what are some of your other responsibilities in, in your position at Renovari? So, the official title is Director of Communications and Special Projects. 
and I think we just had to tack that together because we're a small organization. And so we all wear a lot of different hats. And that's the catch-all. So they can throw yeah. anything at you and you, <laughs> yeah, you just, that's, right. I guess it is. It's a special project. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, take care of anything digital or print communication. The website, overseeing the content there and design for the website, writing the weekly email and online courses. We got Monty now, so he's working on that too, which is great. The Reservoir Devotional uh, acted as kind of an editor with that, along with Carolyn and Justine. Burning Heart? Yeah, kind of your number two guy, I guess, with Burning Heart and anything that I can help with there. Very uh, helpful. It's fun to watch you kind of grow into the position and you got your, your hand and your heart in a lot of projects. Yeah, I do. It's been a real gift and you get so used to anything, but every once in a while I can take a step back and I, and our little zoom meetings, our staff meetings, and I see all the squares there and I look at all the faces and realize like, this is really special. This is really special people. You know, Chris often talks about how relationally we're doing well as a staff and we really are like, that's a true gift to feel safe with one another. It's nice. So I said, even if we cut that part, I just, <laughs> I wanted to say that for remembering. No, it's worth saying. It's mm -hmm. worth saying how free we are to disagree with each other or to, right? I yeah. mean, it's a culture of, no, nah, I think that's kind of a bad idea. What about the, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably not the way to say it, but it's yeah. very democratic of sorts. Chris is surprised uh, if we don't disagree with him on <laughs> on some some stuff, and maybe a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. So that's a gift. Yeah, yeah. You've been involved in a project eight years in the making. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like the first album I worked on. People said, "How long did these songs take you to write?" And I said. 30 years. <laughs> Lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been eight years since your last recording. Since the last full length. Yeah. yeah. I did a little EP in there, but yeah, eight years since the last full length. One of the things I really like about your music, which now, you know, into this, this new album is that there's all these stories behind the songs in terms of your own personal life and things you're working on things God is, is, is teaching you. So one of the things I've heard you talk about that actually, um, it's been kind of spinning in my head a little as it trying to unpack it, but the idea of fear and humility, false humility, um, could you share a little about that? So for followers of Jesus, it's all about the heart rather than the appearance. Fear and humility can sometimes have the same appearance on the outside. So for example, I don't want to have my name listed on the credits of, uh, of a book I helped work on or something. That could come across as, as humility. And indeed, it might be humility. Or it might be, I'm afraid of the praise that will come from that, or I'm afraid of the criticism that, that would come from that. And so I can dress up fear as humility. And a lot of times we dress it up for ourselves. So we fool ourselves into thinking that my fear is actually humility. And when it's come to my music, 
I have been so afraid of my own motives. I've been afraid of success. I've been afraid of failure. I've been afraid of what other people think. I so badly want people's affirmation. That scares me um, to either get it or not get it. And so I just want to avoid the whole thing in a guise of humility or in a guise of holiness. Well, you know, there's the potential for me sinning if I embark on this thing that's public or whatever and and has the potential for uh, me getting prideful or whatever. So in order to avoid that potential pitfall, I'm just not going to do it at all. So as I was thinking about doing this project, my I was explaining this to my counselor. He asked one simple question. If you were to ask God, should I do this thing, even if I'm going to make a mistake, what would he say? And there's zero hesitation. I was like, oh, 100%, do it. Really? Like, like God would say, do it. Yeah. And, and in that moment, like, there's so much clarity. It, it, because it, that question laid bare all this, what was really just fear and this false pretense of, of uh, piety. Like um, an excuse to keep you from doing anything, is that? Yeah, yeah. In the most extreme of examples, you have somebody like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is getting involved in this conspiracy to kill Hitler because he's not going to maintain his quote-unquote moral purity because this is a complicated thing. He's going to go and do it, right? So that's probably the biggest example of that you could imagine. But in each of our lives on much smaller scales, uh, for people like me who are recovering perfectionists and want to make sure they're pleasing God and doing the thing that is upright before God and looks right and is not going to get us into a place where we're potentially dealing with a a moral dilemma or or something that can make us fall or, or whatever, then, you know, we just avoid it altogether. And so, as soon as I realized that question and that I knew, I knew the Lord's answer would be, do it. <laughs> you know, like, don't let your fear of making a mistake or sinning or incurring some type of internal guilt because your motives are slightly off. Don't let that stop you from doing the thing that I'm calling you to do. Was this then an act of obedience? Yeah. I remember about a year ago passing by my kitchen table and a copy of my first CD was laying there for some reason. And it just struck me like it's been eight years since I made that record, eight years. And then like a half hour later, I'm reading uh, the reading for the day is in Acts and Peter and the story of Aeneas. Aeneas had been bedridden for eight years, it said, for he was paralyzed. Eight (laughs) eight years, he was paralyzed. And it just hit me like a thunderbolt. Like, that's me. I'm totally paralyzed. I'm paralyzed in fear. And, uh, you know, and all these good reasons not to do it, not to make music. You know, my family needs other stuff. Like, you know, even financially, I I can't take this on, whatever. But at that moment, it was like, this would be disobedience to not move forward into what the Lord's given. And Peter said to Aeneas, get up and walk. You're healed. Rise and make your bed. Practical next step. Like, rise and make your bed. So I just took a next step, reached out to the producer and said, i got to get this thing going. Mm. 
you rose and made your bed. Yeah. <laughs> was there any joy in it? Did it did it come with any relief or fun, I guess? For me, the joy almost always comes as I step into it. It rarely comes ahead of time. There's usually lots of heaviness, lots of resistance, tremendous amounts. And as I step into it, pray, others pray with me, and I start playing, I start singing, I start into the act of, of creating, it usually lifts off and the joy comes. Uh, and a lot of times that joy will last after the creative act has, has stopped. So <laughs> it's like Oswald Chambers says, uh, you can't think your way out of a spiritual muddle. You have to obey your way out of a spiritual muddle. <laughs> well, you know, I'm personally really glad you obeyed your way out of this because some of the tracks on here are the ones I've heard. I mean, just you know, you you sent me the wounded boy, right? Like I got the the back seat of your car recording. Is that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah? That's and, right. Um, man, I just, I mean, I, the entire flight cross country there and back, just on repeat. Um, so I'm so glad, right, that you got up, made your bed, and and I hope that you can, I hope you can celebrate that at this juncture. Can we play that song for folks? Yeah, let's let's play it. Let me set it up a little bit. One of the things the Lord was teaching me and continues to teach me is the difference between the flesh, as Paul talks about it, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech, the works of the flesh, the thing that he says to kill. The difference between the flesh and the wounded child inside of all of us, really. That place inside of us that didn't get what it needed growing up, uh, from our parents, as great as our parents might have been, everyone's parents couldn't give them everything that we all needed. Uh, or just places where we got wounded, intentionally or unintentionally. Growing up, I got really focused in on putting to death the deeds of the flesh. So I'm a one on the Enneagram, the reformer, the perfectionist. So I'm very aware of the places in me that aren't right and can get fixated on killing those things, right? I beat my body, Paul said, and I bring it under submission, right? I'm going to I'm gonna aggressively go after these uh, things. I don't want to be there. Good at killing. Um, you are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but then I noticed I was treating my son in a particular way. Now, if you look through our, our window at our house, you would see us and you'd say, he's a good dad. He's doing a good job. But um, in reality, whenever my son, who was five, when I wrote the song, would do something wrong, I would disconnect my heart from him, and I would shut off my affections toward him, and I would I would correct him and and discipline him um, from a place of of disconnection. I'm not okay with you until you are doing everything right, because it reflects on me as a parent, because. Um, you're not going to be okay when you're older. Like, you know, all of that fear-driven stuff. I was treating him the way that I was treating the wounded child inside of me, that place inside of me that didn't get what it needed growing up. I was stuffing down that place inside of me. And I was talking to myself in ways that I wouldn't ever want to talk to anyone else. 
I was, you know, just berating myself on the inside, just a tremendous amount of self-hatred really at the bottom of that and self-loathing. And and so one of the lines in the song you'll hear is, I was trying to force myself into who I wanted to be, but all it created was an angry little kid <laughs> inside of me. And so coming to the place where I can allow Jesus to embrace that wounded child inside of me, that I can accept that wounded child and bring that part of me to Jesus, integrate with that part of me, right? Because when I'm not integrated with that part, I'm just rejecting it and I'm trying to kill this part of me. Like I become a fractured person. I become disintegrated in my soul. And so bringing that part to Jesus, sort of embracing it myself, so so to speak, so that it can mature. There is the flesh that needs to be killed, but then there's the wounded child who needs healing and needs needs to grow up into maturity. Uh, and that's where the song's born from. Wounded boy Who's hiding in my heart Stop shouting from the dark See, I got a little confused Thought you were the accused But you were the accused Thought you were the abuser But you were the abused I thought I could reform you Through force and punishment But the only thing that formed Was an angry little kid
I will not reject the child you love. <laughs> That's good. I love how that came together. Yeah, thanks. That's still a work in progress. That's not the, the final, but it, but it's coming along. It is. What do you hope for people listening to that? A worship leader named Melissa Helzer likes to say, zero resistance to the Spirit. <laughs> May we have zero resistance to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And as I listened to that, again, that was the the phrase that that stood out to me i i won't i won't resist and um yeah so if if that song or any of the songs can create a little crack in the door of people's souls that the holy spirit can come into a place where the spirit didn't have access to before that's my highest hope and you modeled that. I mean, that's your story with this album, right? That process of not resisting. It was a lot of resistance first and and, <laughs> <laughs> and then coming to a place of uh, not resisting. Yeah. It's freeing, isn't it? To not resist. Yeah. Oh, it is. One of the things is I was you know, listening to that uh, musically. Right, and that's the first time I've heard it non-acoustic. Um, but I'm um, I'm I'm very aware of the music in the background and how thoughtful you guys were piecing that together. And you know, I, I can just hear these discussions about what to. One of the things I think's um, fairly unique about you as a solo artist, right? That when you record music, that's you know Brian Morricon music. But doing so in community with others, involving, like, this is really, really important to you. Could you say just a little bit about what's behind that and how this process was? Yeah. So even the song we heard there, Wounded Boy, uh, is what Stephen, the producer, and I had worked on so far. And the final version will have brought in a, a full band that is playing together on it. And that became a value for me while making the first album when I realized uh, how much more I enjoy doing this with other people, I, especially the recording process and creating this, um, this beautiful thing that's, that's happening where people are doing something together, especially, especially at the same time if you can. So a lot of people don't know, but the, the way most songs are recorded these days where you have a lot of instruments is one instrument at a time, sometimes not even on the same day. You know, it's the drummer will come in, put some drums down, bass player will come in next Tuesday. And, and it's just layered in that way. I mean, you can get some really amazing things through that process, but we also wanted to have a week where we got together in person, which was challenging. You know, we're all masked up at <laughs> Steven's house, which is a studio and, tr and trying to do the thing. I'm in a, in a different room, but there's just something that happens there of doing this, this thing uh, together. And to me, that's, that's where the joy and, and the life is uh, because I hear these songs so much bigger than um, musically bigger than, than just an acoustic guitar. I've kind of, in some ways I've sort of lost interest in in just the the 
uh, singer songwriter acoustic guitar thing. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and you know, but it's, I know my limitations and I know I'm, I'm a decent guitar player. Like Bono says, I, I can't sing, but I got soul. Um, <laughs> you know, within those limitations, bringing in this this other, filling this out with other musicians, other people, and creating this beautiful thing in, in community. You know, it's it's something that's that's really uh, one of the gifts of music that isn't necessarily there with other mediums like writing or preaching or teaching or wh- whatever. I mean, you, or you, can't, yeah. you can't talk at the same time. You can't, you know, you can sort of co-write, but it's not, it's not happening simultaneously. You know, this thing of music where you can do this thing with other people at the same time and it's making something beautiful. It's, I, I just love that. <laughs> I'll often say as a, as a musician that it, it wasn't until I played with a band, it was like night and day different. I mean, it's fine, play by yourself, whatever. But when you've got a whole group, it's just like opens yeah. up something magic. Like magic. It, yeah, it is. I don't know what else. It is. Well, this theme of community, you, you wrote a song called Community. The inspiration for this was based off of, I mean, is this the, the Trinity community? Yeah, so the the Trinity as community, and really the song was born from John 15 and Jesus saying, make your home in me as I make my home in you. And then I thought, well, what kind of house would God be? <laughs> and what kind of house would I be? Well, God would be this, this warm house with the smell of fresh baked bread and and... You you feel it totally uh, at home in, and if I were a house, I'd be one of those real estate listings that says has great potential but <laughs> needs a little TLC, which means it's a total wreck. Like we all we all know, don't get the houses that say needs a little TLC because they need a lot of hard work. But if we want the house that has the character, right? We love we love houses with character, then almost always you've got to put in the work or somebody had to put in the work to get that house built in 1905, fixed back up. But you've got the old wood floors that have the the blemishes, but now it's been refinished and the blemishes are part of the beauty, right? And God is willing to put in the the work the blood sweat and tears into us quite literally on the cross you know and so that he can have people with character god is a house the kind when you walk in the smell of fresh baked bread begins to melt down your defense there on the couch a soul can be at ease gone the pretense and the fear that you'll be asked to leave I will make my home in Make your home in me, oh sweet community. 
to count the cost of character Someone with time Someone with skill and means Someone with blood and sweat and tears Enough to make it his dream Before we finish, one of the reasons I really want to do this podcast with you is to let people know about a way they can be involved in this project and, and you're launching a Kickstarter. C- could you just explain a little about what Kickstarter is for folks? Yeah, so Kickstarter is a way to fundraise for creative projects. So everything from apps like John Bailey on our board did a Kickstarter for his scripture app, Dwell, uh, to music projects like Carolyn Aaron's uh, on our staff too, just wrapped up her Kickstarter for her new project. One of the things I like about Kickstarters is that it's a way for people to be involved and, you know, like to get the album early or to have other kind of special uh, gifts, I guess, would be the way to say it. Yeah, exactly. Kickstarter calls them rewards. So you have these different levels that, that people give at, you know, and I think most people just they believe for musical projects, especially they believe in, in the project and they give to it, but it's still fun to like get, uh, you know, get the album early and to, to get special little, little things. Yeah. Like a signed copy or a, a, yeah, a journal. Yeah. Uh, uh, now on yours, all the way up to helping people songwriting, songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So uh, one of the higher levels is doing a, uh, like a 45 minute, songwriting feedback session with me or like a, even up to a half day, let's write a song together. Um, or if somebody's not a songwriter and they want to commission a song, they have a favorite scripture passage. So I would love to do that. If somebody has a theme or a concept and they can pledge and say, Hey, would you, would you write a song about, about this? I like it. Um, I, I bet you're really good working with people in their songs, like kind of coaching. I love that. I love that process. I love people bringing what they have and working on it together. And especially when people are in that learning state and they they really are hungry to make it better, hungry to work on the melody and all of that. Right now I'm working with my, my daughter, Lucy, who's 13. She's started playing guitar and started writing these little songs and so thankful that she's in a place where she actually wants to receive from me. And she's like, Dad, can you help me with this song and let's work on this this little melody and and uh, I, I enjoy that process. I can see you shine in that. And and here's where I'm thinking of it is your skill in tech and the way you help me with things and how patient you are when I you know don't understand something. I I, I could see you just being particularly for someone who's kind of nervous about sharing their yeah. music. I could see you yeah. just. Think, I, I hope some people take you up yeah, on that. Yeah, me too. Okay. Me too. It's fun mm-hmm. to see people come alive with that. Okay, there's one other um, reward. Is that the word? The best reward is the one I'm thinking you're thinking of. <laughs> now this is... I will I will introduce it. Yes. Oh please, yes, please because, go ahead. So this is a handmade many of you may not know that Nathan Foster is a woodworker and one of his favorite hobbies and ways to spend time with the Lord is is woodworking. He's holding up the box. You can't see it now on Zoom, but he's holding up the the little wooden box that he has a handcraft and it's very nice. It's made out of rosewood and maple. Maple. And uh, he's also a notebook and a pencil connoisseur. 
field guide notebooks <laughs> if you know anything about notebooks these are special black wing pencils these are these are like the fine wine of uh notebooks and pencils they are so anyway one yeah. of the reward levels we're only gonna have one because he only has one of these little boxes is gonna be to to get this handcrafted box along with limited edition field guides and black wing pencils that you can't get anymore this yeah. is really this is really special and yeah. and each one has a story right each notebook and yeah. pencil that ties into to your work which is something i like to just work together yes so. if you ever want to get you talking uh, <laughs> i'm just pencils. telling some people listening now yeah if you ever want to get nathan into a good conversation just ask him about pencils <laughs> it's true well i hope you put it at a very high rate so that i can keep it and nobody yes. takes it. So ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a people have often asked me if I sell woodwork, and I don't. But I'll give it away. And there's there's kind of rationale for that. So I'm very very happy to. This put it is in. special. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you, Brian, for today. This was great. It's been great, Nate. Thanks. And that was Brian Morricone. You can find out more about Brian's music and how to pre-order the new album through his Kickstarter by visiting morricon.com. That's M-O-R-Y-K-O-N.com. I should note, his Kickstarter campaign will only be up until the 22nd of October. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort which offers resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find articles and other resources at our website, renovare.org. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. We love hearing your questions or thoughts. You can email podcast at renovare.org or tweet at renovare. This podcast is produced by Brian Morcon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends, be well.